0: Welcome to the Nanalyze Podcast. We are a boutique media and research firm specializing in disruptive innovation. Visit nanalyze.com for more details. It's 2024 and we find ourselves looking for a new dividend stock to buy. The reason for that is our 30 stock dividend growth portfolio just lost a constituent. That's Walgreen Boots Alliance. They stopped increasing their dividend. We're kicking them to the curb and finding a replacement. Now, potential candidates to replace WBA, these are going to be driven by transparent algorithms. So one thing that bugs me is when people talk about best stocks for 2024. Well, what about your best stocks for 2023? Shouldn't that list be the same? Your best stocks shouldn't change every year. Now, here at Nanalyze, we manage two portfolios, disruptive growth and dividend growth. When it comes to disruptive growth companies, these don't change very much. They're either growing or they're not. But when it comes to dividend growth, our best stocks can change over time because we use a objective, transparent algorithm to identify them, and ideally that changes very slowly. So, how we create our dividend growth portfolio? First, we pay Nasdaq a bunch of money for the data. Then we aggregate that and figure out a list of companies that have not only paid, but increased their dividend for at least 25 years. That's the concept of a champion or an aristocrat. Then we're left with 150 companies that have done that. Then we apply a market cap filter on that list and we're down to 80. Then what we do is calculate Q scores. We'll talk about what those are for all the universe members. And then what we're left with then, that list of 80, we select our constituents for our portfolio using an industry diversification approach. I'll show you what that looks like. Now, some industries are going to be more represented than others. In our universe here, you can see the total number of names in this table for each particular sector. So you see industrials has the most names at 21, then you have staples at 15, and you go down the list here. Now, uh, you can see what we're holding. That's the holding column there. So you see staples is now four. That used to be five. So we're holding 29 stocks. We lost one, right? Target should be the number of stocks we want to hold, thirty, divided by the number of sectors. So we should be holding three in each. Well, uh, sometimes that becomes very difficult to do because not all the names in each sector we find compelling. Now, some of you might be asking, uh, where's the eleventh sector? So, according to GICS, there's eleven sectors. Well, telecommunications is missing because they actually have no constituents right now. And then, um, what we'll do when we're selecting through this is we'll take into account Q scores and. Uh, Real estate and utilities are going to be exceptions here because they have low Q scores for a number of reasons. Real estate doesn't have uh, international exposure, typically REITs, and they also grow their dividends quite slowly, and so do utilities. Now, logically, when we're looking for a replacement We'd look to add the next highest Q score entry in consumer staples. We say, all right, we want to replace WBA. They were a consumer staples company with the next highest Q score. Now, here's the next highest Q score for consumer staples. So it's uh, MKC, that's McCormick's, I believe, and they produce spices or whatnot. It's classified as food and tobacco. Uh, the let me explain the numbers here real quick. Q sum. Uh, this is taken right from our analyst who's working on updating our quantigence report right now as I speak. Uh, Q-sum is the new Q-score, and the last Q-score from six months ago is um, last Q minus S. So there's a difference here of 1.1, and that can be explained when you look at the factors that um, come together to form the Q-score. So what we can now do is say, all right, that Uh, Because we understand this strategy, we work with it all the time, we know that a Q score of 14 is uh, relatively low compared to some higher Q score alternatives. So what we can do is this. We can say, of that universe of 80 stocks, let's look at the highest Q scores we're not invested in, okay? And here's that list. It's CAT, CNI, LIN, GGG, and EXPD. We're going to talk about all five of these companies. Now, you can see in that list that the Q scores are changing across time minimally. So you see, uh, what a hundred basis points there for the bottom two, and uh, ten basis points for CAT. So. The idea is that they ought to change slowly over time. Now, we just did an academic paper on this strategy, and it shows high volatility for one of the factors we use, which is payout ratio that's currently under investigation, we're probably going to uh, be using a rolling payout ratio as opposed to the strategy using last quarter. Uh, That only makes sense. Now, industrials are overrepresented in this shortlist. You can see here, right? We have one materials company and four industrials companies. So let's start with that one materials stock. So that's Lind this article from The Motley Fool, uh, BS article, three hydrogen stocks to make you the millionaire next door. Don't get left behind during the energy revolution. I suggest that you see our piece on the myths of hydrogen. And that's uh, a very good video. You can search for it on our channel. But air products and chemicals and lind. These are two very large, I'd say two of the largest producers of industrial gases. That's what they do. So this is really a Pepsi versus Coke situation. When we look at a industry, and we're selecting constituents from that industry bucket, and we come across two that are relatively the same, like Pepsi and Coke, we choose one, we don't hold both. Now, of course, you can hold both. But we choose one, and then opt for a sub-industry classification that's different. So that's what we've done here in the materials sector. And we're holding air products and chemicals. We wouldn't hold Lind for that reason. We would pass on them. So that's why we wouldn't consider Lind as a company to replace WBA. That leaves us with four industrial stocks. We have Caterpillar and Graco, they both are involved in producing equipment. And then we have transports. So we have a railroad company. It's what it says on the tin, Canadian National Railway Company. And then we have Expeditors International Washington. So they provide logistics services, air freight, ocean freight. So let's talk about our factors. We've been talking about Q scores. What makes up these Q scores? Well, we have seven factors, all right? This first set of four. They're trying to identify the companies that are most likely to increase their dividends. So size. We value the size of a company. That increases the likelihood they're going to survive because larger companies can take advantages of economies of scale. Uh, They have more favorable terms when it comes to loans and access to capital. Then we look at payout ratio. That provides a greater buffer to increase the dividend when earnings per share growth stalls or falls. So dividends, of course, are paid from profits, earnings per share. And those can actually be on the decline for a substantial amount of time if you have a payout ratio that's quite low because you can use that buffer to keep increasing the dividend. That's how these companies get these crazy track records. That's why we value Years increasing dividends, a track record of success. We value that very highly, right? It's like a company's CV because dividend growth is what gives us a better quality of life as time goes on and offsets inflation. Then we look at international sales because that measures a company's ability to be not over reliant on a single economy, which would be typically the United States. Then the other three factors, right, we said there's seven. Uh, These are trying to identify companies that are growing income faster than the others because we want more money to spend, right? So we look at five-year growth rate, 10-year growth rate, and yield, which represents the size of the current income stream. So if you have a very low yield, it's going to take a while for that uh, dividend to grow where what they call yield on cost becomes meaningful. So look here at this table. These are the factors for all five companies, all right? So even though we said we were not interested in Lynn, we still listed it there. These are sorted by size. couple observations for Lynn. See how their five-year compound annual growth rate of the dividend is higher than 10-year? That shows that they're increasing the growth of their dividend as time goes on. If those numbers were reversed, then you'd see it was slowing. For CNI, I've highlighted international sales. That's a little suspect. We're going to talk about why that is, all right? Basically, it's because America and Canada, those two economies are very highly correlated. So you don't get the diversification effects on international sales that we're hoping to capture with that factor. Then I've pointed to two companies on this list that are relatively small compared to other names. So you have EXPD and GGG. So let's talk about industrials, right? Because four of those five companies are industrials. Here's a list of the biggest industrials companies, according to, I believe this is MSCI's uh, USA industrials list. You see Caterpillar's at the top there, followed by a railroad, Union Pacific. But what I wanted to point to here on the right Sub industries. So industrials are not created the same. There's a very big difference between a rail company and a, a human resources and employment services company, right? So these sub industries are also where you can diversify. And you can see as we select firms, that's what we do. So Let's talk about CAT for a second. Uh, we did a presentation here. I'm going to link to it at the end of this video on CAT stock recently. It's very interesting, interesting company. We quite like them. Here you can see the segments that are involved in uh, relatively evenly distribu- uh, distributed between construction, resource, uh, energy and transportation, resources being mining, and then um, this consolidated uh, component. So um the takeaway here is that they they operate across a number of different sub segments, and that their sales and revenues outside the United States are uh, pretty good at around sixty uh, percent consistently over time. So CAT was the highest ranked Q store Q score stock at one. I think that we're finding the most compelling at the moment. Next on the list would be CNI, and I wanted to touch on railroads. So as they say, God ain't making any more of them. So Um, They have a very big competitive moat. Warren Buffett bought Burlington Northern. He said, as long as more goods move from place to place in this country, rails are going to get their share and it should be a very profitable business. So Buffett likes railways. Um, I think what you need to do, these are the main players, these five stocks. You need to look at what's being transported to better understand each player and the external factors that are going to affect them. So you've simply taken these five names and and. Plotted their history of increasing dividends over time. So you see the table on the bottom, number of years, right? We have CNI, that's the one in our list. These other three wouldn't have made it into our universe because they haven't increased dividends for at least 25 years, as we said before. And you see CSX 19, Union Pacific 17, uh, Norfolk Southern is at seven, and you could see the yield and the dividend growth over time. But where is CP on this list? So Canadian Pacific, Kansas City Limited. Well, They don't even come across our radar at all because they haven't been increasing their dividends consistently over time. I just pulled this from the investor relations section of their website. Without a track record, we said this before, it's very important. There's no predictability for increases. There's no pressure on the company to increase the dividend. They can do anything. It can decrease at any time, increase. That track record is very important because then it sets precedent. So for us, Dividend growth means a lot. This wouldn't be a company that's on a radar for that reason. I wanted to touch on the other two smaller names. Uh, If you saw a recent presentation on Jesus's portfolio and he looks for growers, not showers, he might find these two companies interesting. Expeditors. First of all, this firm needs some investor relations. You can't just take your 10K, slap a two-page cover sheet on it, and call it your annual report. So you're stuck with having to really dig into that 10K to figure out what it is they do. I just pulled this simple chart. Looks like they offer custom brokerage and other services, ocean freight and air freight. With it appears, at least in 2022, that air freight was the biggest component. Uh, I'd be curious to start looking at external factors. When I worked at MSCI, we built a tool that would let you shock a multi asset class portfolio with different scenarios. It could be the uh, invasion of Iraq, it could be any. Uh, geopolitical event was super interesting. be interesting to shock this portfolio with the Houthi issue, right? So all those ships, you, you would think it benefits them, right? Because they're they're having to ship goods further, but you don't know. You have to look at their contracts and set up. So you, you want to understand the economics of this business better. We haven't taken the time to do that, clearly. We just slapped up this simple chart. But you can see there are factors along the bottom here. So yield's quite low, uh, when we invest in a firm, starting to go around 1% is just, it's its low. And when we actually penalize companies with a yield under 1%, because that's the whole point, right, is to get a dividend yield off what you're holding, though they have strong growth double digits there for their dividends. So it would, uh, take, wouldn't take too long for them to uh, increase that over time low, low payout ratio. Then that brings us to Graco. You see here they're quite dependent on construction. That's fine. I looked at their product set literally. It's anything that gets sprayed that you can think of. So construction workers, contractors, they spray lots of things, whether that's paints or coatings, things like that. You can see the breakdown here. Contractors at 46 percent. Industrial firms that use this spraying equipment and then process. Uh, Americas. They're about 40 percent international revenues. You can see the factors along the bottom there. So quite high dividend growth rate, but it's slowing. You see 10-year Kager at 18%. That's remarkable, uh, down to 15% at the five-year CAGR. Again, a lower yield there, though they've increased dividends for 37 years in a row. So what company are we going to choose? Well, what we like to do, since, as I said, we manage disruptive growth and disruptive tech, we like crossover companies, two birds with one stone. Next era Energy, that's the largest renewable energy company in the world. It's really quite a remarkable firm. We've written a, a whole bunch. You go to our website and search for NextEra, read pieces we've written about them. We're holding that firm. We really like them obviously, because we're holding them. Albemarle, we just did a recent video on this company. They're one of the largest lithium producers in the world. They also happen to be a dividend champion. IBM, cloud something, something, quantum computing, IoT, uh, Watson, they're doing all this stuff. But um, they're, they have a lot of cash cows in that business. And um, we're holding IBM actually crossover there between uh, dividend champions and tech roper very interesting collection of software businesses if we had to choose a technology company today that was a dividend champion it would be roper then there's caterpillar and they do connected equipment autonomy and electrification you'll see arc invest talk about this thesis though i believe they've went with komatsu as their bet but um there's a very compelling case to be made for caterpillar to be seen as um equally fitting for these themes as komatsu so just some concluding thoughts here we're currently producing the 2024 update of our quantigence report you can see that here it's available to our premium subscribers the fresh data That's being generated as part of this report refresh will be used to find that WBA replacement. A postmortem on why WBA hit the skids certainly might be in order, so we can understand that better. We have five great dividend champions we've talked about today to choose from with good variety for different types of investors. Honestly, we're leading towards uh, Caterpillar following the comprehensive analysis we did in this video right here. So I suggest you watch that next and see why we find Caterpillar so compelling. Thanks for taking the time to watch this today. Thank you for listening to the Nanalyze podcast. If you found this information useful, please share this episode with a friend. This helps us to continue to provide thorough research for you. Want more research like this? Want to know what we're invested in and what stocks we're avoiding? Head to nanalyze.com and consider becoming a premium annual subscriber to get access to premium articles, webinars, and our extensive tech stock catalog. Thank you for your time.